It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. After my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. I appreciate you listening to this podcast each and every single day. It's Bengals. It's Steelers. Steelers week. If you've missed any of our shows, I went one-on-one with Alex Erickson. Also, you heard from Pac-Man Jones. My question after the Bengals are, went on this two-game winning streak and why A.J. Green shouldn't play this week. But before every Bengals game, Joe Goodberry joins us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. And Joe, everybody's been talking about it, but Le'Veon Bell, to me, he's probably the best running back in the league, along with maybe a LaShawn McCoy or someone like that. What are your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell? I want to say he is the best running back still. I, I think he is still coming back from, from the injury, from the knee injury last year. Uh, he, he, I don't think the long speed is back at this point. He's still making guys miss like crazy, especially in the passing game. He just He's so good as a receiver. His hands are so good. He, he makes people miss the, in open space just as good as anybody. If you know, Maybe LaShawn McCoy is, is the best, but if you're looking for the next guy, it's definitely Le'Veon Bell. You could say David Johnson might be the best running back in the league. You could say LaShawn McCoy. You could say it's Ezekiel Elliott. I think the way Bell has played for the last three years definitely has shown uh, he's in that discussion. And when he's healthy, I think he definitely is that guy. He's just so dynamic, and he's so different than what he was coming out of college. I know some people liked him. Some people didn't. He was a little overweight then. Uh, He didn't have the same type of speed. The Steelers really morphed him into the guy he is now, and full credit to him for putting in the work and for the Steelers organization to get a guy and develop him like that. And, you know, you end up with a stud and a star. And I think they just said they, they plan on using the franchise tag on him if uh, he makes it in the free agency this year without a, without an extension in the offseason. So definitely shows you where they value him and, and how good he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked because I remember when they took him out of Michigan State, I was like, really? Bell there? He's he's kind of a plotter. He's kind of slow. In yep. like his second season, he just exploded onto the scene, and he was this completely different back that I never could have predicted or guessed. Did you see that back when you, you watched his film coming out of college? 
if you check my Twitter, I laughed when they drafted him. I was like, oh, my God, yes, here's a chance for the Steelers to make a bad pick. And the Bengals <laughs> just, yeah, because the Bengals just took Bernard, and I loved Bernard at the yep, time. I did, too. And, and, and I was like, yes, that's a win for the Bengals. They got the better running back. You know, when both teams needed one, I'll take that. And then, you know, obviously you can't predict when a guy completely transforms his body and becomes a completely different player. And that's, that's what Le'Veon has done. Uh, even despite the injuries, he's so much more athletic than he was at Michigan State. Uh, he just looks better completely up and down. And that's credit to the Steelers, too. So, yeah, I don't think anyone predicted him to be this type of player. If they did, they're lying because he never showed <laughs> this ability because he was never in this type of shape uh, at Michigan State. Bell didn't play the first time these two teams played back in week two. Another guy who didn't play, Bengals linebacker Vontez Perfect. Is this going to be a can Perfect stop Bell or can Bell get by Perfect? Or are there other factors in play when it comes to the Steelers running game versus the Bengals run stuffing defense? That's definitely a big factor. Uh, I, I wonder if Bell worries about Perfect at all. He was there, obviously, the reason or the guy who tackled him when he got hurt last year. Uh, I didn't think it was a malicious hit. I know some Steelers took, took you know, some. They were a little bit upset with that hit, I yeah. think, but I don't think it was anything bad uh, when you look at it. But now I wonder if you're Bell, do you think, uh, I got to stay away from this guy? You know, is the offensive line saying we need to protect our running back? We need to cut for a fix. We need to get him out of the play as much as possible, whether it's the David DeCastro pulling, whether that's the center getting to the second level. Uh, I think they're going to take their shots at Burfitt. They always do, to be honest. And when you watch the film, uh, the Steelers do take their shots at them and try and get them out of the game uh, as much as possible. Uh, I think that's where you see the bad blood anyways. It's Burfitt's willing to do whatever it takes to, to uh, win on the play, whether it's knocking someone out or, or taking someone out. Uh, and I think the Steelers know that, and they're willing to try and take him out first. Uh, I think the running game, yeah, focuses on those two. It changed the game before. I remember how how passive the game was in week two without those two guys uh, and that type of rivalry that, that just those two tackling each other 10 times a game is, is going to create and that type of frustration and anger, I think, that boils up between those two. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I do think it, a lot factors into the Steelers' passing game. Right now they're a better passing team. Even though Le'Veon Bell is a good running back, he's going to catch – six, seven, eight passes, and that's not crazy because he's doing that almost every single week. Uh, he, that's where his threat is, and I don't think it's going to be perfect covering him out of the backfield. It's going to be a lot of things. It's going to be zone defense. It's going to be a safety. Uh, it's going to be one of the outside linebackers if possible. So uh, we may not see that matchup directly, but it's definitely going to have an effect. All right. I, w I want to stay on perfect, and I want to talk about him because – He's widely known as the dirtiest player in the NFL. Everyone, if you ask someone in California or if you ask an NFL fan in Michigan, it doesn't matter. It's not just Steelers fans. People think Vontez Perfect is the dirtiest player in the NFL. I, I do think he has a dirty streak, no doubt about that. I, I think a lot of his stuff has been excessive. But I will say this in regards to Steelers safety, Mike Mitchell comparing him to Vontez Perfect. I'd much rather have my sprained ankle twisted at the bottom of a pile or my shoulder leaned on a bit more or, or tugged on at the bottom of a pile versus having a, a guy like Mike Mitchell waiting to take my head off and lead with his helmet. There was a, a play, and there's been a ton of them throughout his career, but the last time the Bengals played the Steelers, and it was a slant to A.J. Green, 
and A.J. Green went up to get the ball, and Mike Mitchell's just waiting there to just club him. If he connects, Green ducks. But if he connects, it would have been way worse than Bavantes Burfix's hit on Antonio Brown in the playoff game, at least in my eyes. What are your thoughts, as objectively as you can, Joe, what are your thoughts and what have you seen on tape from Vontez and his dirty play and Mike Mitchell and his dirty play? It's hard for me to be objective when it comes to Mitchell. I really don't <laughs> like him. I, I think he is. I think he's the dirtiest player in the NFL. Perfect's uh, up there, definitely. If you want to say they're one and two, if you're uh, a fan of neither team, that's fine. But Mitchell... You're right. He's a headhunter, and not just that, but after the plays, he'll lay on a guy a little bit extra longer. Uh, he'll hold a guy's leg down when everyone's trying to get back up. Just the little things that drives you nuts. Where he's the kind of guy you do not want to play against. It just it, he he frustrates you. He, he'll get in your head. Uh, I remember he he hit Marvin Jones. What was it two or three years ago? Jones going over the middle on a post, and it looked like he completely went through Jones' midsection and tore him in half. And it was just completely unnecessary. There, and that's the penalty. People forget that. The name of the penalty is unnecessary roughness. Is it necessary for you to make that hit? Is it necessary for you to uh, attack someone's head, attack someone, you know, hit them the way you do with your shoulder or your, or your head? Was it necessary? And so many times with Mitchell, you'll say, that wasn't necessary. He didn't have to do that. There's so many times where the ball is near him in his range, and he's not even looking at it. He's not going for the ball. He wants to crush somebody. And just like you said on that slant to A.J. Green, that ball could have been intercepted easily. He didn't care for it. He was no intention of him to intercept that pass. Uh, now, as trying to be objective as you can when talking about perfect, he does a lot of the same things. And so it's hard to say one is worse than the other. But since we are Bengals fans, I can't stand Mike Mitchell, and I can't stand playing against him. Yeah, to me it's it, it's so – crazy to me because I know Mike Mitchell's gotten fined some but this dude it seems like always stands out and he's doing something like that I haven't seen much of that from Vontez Burfick this year and this is the dude that yelled at me in the locker room saying that I was talking trash right. about him but ultimately <laughs> I haven't seen that many dirty plays from him this season you haven't really especially the last few weeks he's really had his focus and his play has been excellent for Burfick. Uh when he's towing that line between fair and foul, but also playing hard and, and, and playing tough, that's the best version of perfect possible, and we've seen it the last few weeks. Mitchell, on the other hand, even when he's good, he's not a good football player. I just think he's there as an enforcer. He's just there to lay hits. Perfect, when he's good, he is a phenomenal linebacker, and he changes the Bengals' defense. So I think that's what the difference is. I think because Burfecht is, is an all-pro type linebacker, pro bowler, uh, people know his name, the microscope's more on him. When it comes to Mitchell, people don't really care because he's not that good. So when he does little dirty things, that's all you really notice him for. You don't notice his big plays. You don't notice his, his good plays because they're few and far between. I totally agree. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. One more thing. I Yesterday I, I talked about this here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I, I, and A.J. Green since then has been ruled or downgraded or, or whatever you want to say, listed as doubtful for this week. But I don't want him to play. And I don't want him to play because it's going to be cold, because the Bengals don't have much to gain in this game. Playoff hopes are very slim at this point, even with the win over the Steelers. Plus, 80% of A.J. Green is, is, is good. It's better than the majority of the receivers in the league. But with a guy like Mike Mitchell back there trying to take your head off, 
uh, I'd rather just hold him out, get him ready for Houston. And when they played in week two, Green really wasn't a big part of that offense. It was, ended up being an eight-point loss, and the Bengals could have won that game, I think, at the end. I, I felt during the game that it was a little bit of a distance. It was a two-score two game. Uh, the Bengals got close at the end, but Green wasn't a big factor. I think he had two catches for 30 yards or something along those lines. I'd have to look that up again, but he wasn't involved much at all. It was Boyd who had six for 78. It was Bernard who had nine for 100 and a touchdown. Uh, Green, th- I mean, and then Dalton threw it 54 times. So uh, the Steelers would take away Green either way. So I, and they usually do. Last year he had a couple of big games against them, and he's had big games against the Steelers. But I think their main focus definitely is to take away AJ Green. So if he's not there. Uh, I can see them just saying we're going to load up and try and defend the run. And you know what? I'm okay with that because the Bengals haven't been able to run the ball against the Steelers in forever. So if you want to load up and and try and take away Jeremy Hill because he's probably going to get 20-plus touches again because that seems to be the trend in this offense without Bernard and Green, uh, that's fine by me. If you say you want to take away uh, Eifert, which the Steelers have been able to do that, I still like Eifert in in the red zone Uh, anytime. I don't care who he's playing against. The guy that's going to move the chains, though, is going to be Tyler Boyd. And it may be Rex Burkhead filling in for Bernard in that same role. They did, they weren't covering the flats last time. They weren't covering over the middle of the field as everyone went deep. And Bernard caught a lot of checkdowns and made a lot of yards after the catch. I could see that being Rex Burkhead and maybe a breakout game for him. But at the same time, just keeping this on A.J. Green, I, I don't think he should play right now. Don't play him until he's fully healthy. And if that's the last week, if that's the last two weeks, it seems like he's getting pretty close. I would like to see him one more time before the season's over. I think most people would. Uh, but if they lose this game, the season is probably over, uh, as they say, for um, you know playoff hopes. But there's still two more games to play after this. I do think green being out is almost a blessing in disguise because it's, one, forced the Bengals to play Tyler Boyd a lot and move him around and feed him the ball. And he's really come into his own. And when you're talking about a guy who next season the Bengals are going to want to win, like it, 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 this, well, they want this to be a forgotten season, not a trend. And one way to do that is to establish a, a go-to number two. And Tyler Boyd certainly well on his way to building confidence heading into his second season in the NFL. And I think it was between the Cowboys and the Redskins game those, those couple weeks there. Uh, we talked about Boyd and what the Bengals needed to do to really get a spark on offense, and they were struggling on third downs. Uh, they were struggling against the blitz. People, the receivers weren't running the right out routes. They weren't really getting open quick enough. And I thought during that time span, you could see Boyd getting faster, his routes getting crisper, uh, his adjustments getting cleaner and faster at the same time. Uh, you could tell he was getting closer and closer to being used in this offense, but at the same time, they were also getting Eifert back around that time. And I think the offense wanted to make sure they incorporated him and added his specialty to the playbook. And it ended up being that Green got hurt right after that. And uh, it's while the season was a wash, uh, it's been a blessing in disguise because now they were forced to use Boyd and with a player like Boyd, who's just not going to win in every single situation, you can't line him up at all three spots, and he's not going to beat man coverage. He's not going to beat fast corners. I mean, consistently. He will do that once in a while, but if you scheme for him, if you help him get open, he can be a very, very reliable player and a key part to the offense, and I think we've seen that now because they've had to use him. So while it sucks to lose green for the last half of this year, 
uh, for the most part, at least. Uh, going into next year, Boyd is going to be a big part of that. Now, because they've been forced to use him, they've they've sped up his development just a little bit. They've sped up their knowledge of a guy. A lot of times, it's not a player that just changes in year two, year three, year four. It's not that he finally gets it or the light bulb turns on, as you'll hear sometimes. It's that the team knows what they can do with this guy. The team now knows, all right, we're not going to ask him to do this. He struggles with that. But he's really good at doing this, and we can use him this way. And I think these last few weeks, they've done that with Tyler Boyd and figured out what he can and can't do and where he can really help them. And uh, so it may just be beneficial right now to in the next two, three, four years that Green missed these, these few weeks. Recently, the Bengals have done pretty well against Antonio Brown. At least coming into the year, I thought he was the best wide receiver in the league, still up there. What do you think they've done, or, or what have you seen on film? Because we asked Adam Jones this. He wouldn't, he wouldn't tell us, naturally. But what, uh, what have they done to kind of contain and, and not maybe stop and shut down Antonio Brown? But they've certainly held him in check the past few matchups. They've gone full on he's the best receiver in the league type coverage. Like, <laughs> not just the corner, right? You'll see a, a linebacker come underneath for the for the in routes or for the out routes. You'll see a safety over top. They'll mix coverages where they'll put uh, Pac-Man will like back off the last second and he'll play the deep coverage and the safety will run underneath. Uh, and then the linebacker will, will take the inside. They really give him full attention. Uh, they really try hard. The, the Brown's best opportunity to get the ball has been when they've motioned him into the slot or moved him around. Uh, I would really look for that again. I, I think the, the the Steelers are good at that. They're good at moving Brown around. And if you do that, you get him away from the Bengals designing coverages against him. If you keep him in motion, if you move him around, if you stack him up against other people, it's harder to, to scheme against that or game plan against it. But the Bengals have done a really good job of just focusing all their attention on him. But at the same time, it's gotten them beat by no-name tight ends and Sammy Coates going deep last game. So the Steelers have options. They don't have to go to Antonio Brown. As much as they'd like to use Brown and Bell for 20 targets a game, uh, they can use their other guys and they can still beat you. Joe, before I get your prediction for Sunday's game, let's just, in general, generally speaking, I think it's probably a long shot that the Bengals win. Obviously, the Steelers have more to play for. They're still in the hunt for a bye, believe it or not, and uh, looking to uh, clinch an AFC North Division championship. But what do you think the Bengals have to do? Like one or two things on offense, one or two things on defense that they need to do if they're going to go out and beat the Steelers on Sunday? On defense, I'll say they have to create turnovers. They did last time. Uh, they got they intercepted Big Ben twice. It could have been a couple more, if I remember correctly. Uh, they really need to do the same thing and get their hands on the ball the way the defense is playing right now. I, I think they can do that. The way Ben played recently, especially in Buffalo game last week, he was as bad as I've ever seen him. Completely inaccurate, ball location all over the place. Just uh, I don't know if it was confused. I don't know if it was the weather. I don't know what the situation was, but he looked really bad. And if that's the Ben we're getting again this week, which is probably rare because he doesn't normally put back-to-back bad weeks together, but if that's the case, the Bengals' defense can really take advantage and make this harder for, for the Steelers' offense. Uh, an offense for the Bengals, and this is the same thing I think we said one week two, they need to find a way to run the ball, and I, I don't expect it. They don't. I think they averaged two yards per carry with Jeremy Hill uh, in the first matchup, and now Hill is all you have. You don't have Bernard, and maybe Burkhead can 
provide a little bit of a, of a spark. But at the same time, these last couple of weeks when the Bengals offense has been successful, they've given it to Hill 23, 25 times a game. If you're doing that again and you're giving it to him 25 times and he's only getting 50, 60 yards, your offense is going to struggle. So if they're going to give it to him and commit to him like they have and like they've shown they, they probably will, they need to find a way to get him to three and a half, four yards per carry. He's got to break a tackle. If everything's got to be faster and smoother, if the weather's bad again, you're going to end up running it again. I don't think you can throw a 54 times against the Steelers' defense. Uh, not that they're a good defense, but at the same time, they're just a bunch of tough guys, a bunch of hard hitters. Uh, I just don't want to put these receivers in that situation where they're carrying the load and Andy Dalton's going against these fire zone uh, blitzes and these zone coverages. I just don't think that's where he's at his best. So you got to run the ball and run it well. You just can't do it 25 for 50 yards because I don't think that's going to be successful. Before you, uh, before I get your prediction, one more thing. What do you think the, the odds are? It's, tell me which one is going to get mentioned more during the broadcast on Sunday. One, Vontez Perfect and his hit on Antonio Brown back in January, or two, Big Ben's record in Ohio? <laughs> uh, good one. <laughs> I'm it's sure going to be brutal, I'm, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to show that plenty of times. They'll definitely probably start the game with that, and then they'll go to Perfect and his hit on Brown and his hit on Bell last year, and they'll probably even show Reggie Nelson hitting Heath Miller just to show, and then maybe um, Shazier hitting Giovanni Bernard in the playoff game. And thing. I'm sure they'll show that and try and drum it up as a bad blood type game and rivalry type game. So I, I think they'll go with the dirty hits a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Who do you got on Sunday? Uh, I got the Steelers. I, I think they uh, they could come out of the AFC when this is all said and done, if they get a few things tweaked up. Uh, I don't know if the Patriots, while they're still definitely the best team, without Gronk, I don't, their offense isn't as explosive. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers, not only winning this game, but probably getting some few things right here and winning the division and going into the playoffs and they could probably make some, make, make some noise. I, I think the Steelers win 23 to uh, 16. Wow. Touchdown game. So it'll, it'll come down to one of Andy's Hail Marys. Yeah, <laughs> some of them have been okay during his career, but then there's been others where I'm like, what is, what is this? That one a few weeks ago, I just, you know, it's been hit or miss with the Hail Mary, huh? Yeah, no doubt. But uh, it's a play Marvin Lewis likes before halftime, so clearly they practice I think he it. does like it. I think he's like, you know, let's get to the midfield and we'll throw the Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we'll <laughs> see. I, I think – that the, that the false hope of the 5-7-1 record, the two-game winning streak, is more about who they've played than uh, how they've played. But uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see on Sunday, and I'll, I'll certainly talk to you on Monday to recap the game, Joe. All right, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He'll join me on Monday in our weekly Bengals film review to discuss this game. Steelers, Bengals, can the Bengals make it three in a row? We'll talk about who played well and who didn't on my blog. Plus, I'll have a recap here for you. It's the Locked on Bengals podcast. Audio boom, iTunes, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, at James Erpine. I appreciate you guys listening. We're growing, growing, growing. I'm hoping we can get to 25,000 listens before the new year. How cool would that be? We started this midseason. It's growing, and uh, I appreciate every single one of you for listening, for subscribing and sharing. And uh, please continue that because uh, we want to build it here on Locked on Bengals. And uh, the way to do that is through you. Subscribe on iTunes, audioboom.com. Until next time when we'll recap Bengals Steelers, I'm James Erpine. I'll come at you with some audio from the game. I'll be at Paul Brown Stadium to witness it. Until then, 
I'm James Erpine, and this is the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.